0: Sunday, blessings to all of you. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with god our father you are listening to encountering jesus with the church fathers a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures the sacred liturgy and living as a disciple of jesus christ I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. John Chrysostom, one of the great Eastern or Greek Fathers of the Church. He was born in the mid-fourth century in Orantes, the province of Syria. While initially intending a career in government and theater, he gradually became more enamored of Christianity through a friend who lived a very devout life. After being baptized, John devoted himself to scripture study and Christian living, guided by Syrian desert monks. When he returned to Antioch because of health, the bishop appointed him a deacon and a few years later was ordained a priest by Bishop Flavian. When Nectarius, the bishop of Constantinople, died in 397, John was elected his successor. His absolute fidelity to the gospel of Jesus earned him the ire of many in society and in the church as well, resulting in exile. After years in exile, he died in the year 407. For this Sunday, we will listen to an excerpt from his Homily 10, a sermon on almsgiving wherein he comments on sections of St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, proclaimed at Mass this Sunday. Today, I stand before you to make a just, useful, and suitable intercession. I come from no one else, only the beggars who live in our city elected me for this purpose, not with words, votes, and the resolve of a common council, but rather with their pitiful and most bitter spectacles. In other words, just as I was passing through the marketplace and the narrow lanes hastening to your assembly, I saw in the middle of the streets many outcasts, some with severed hands, others with gouged out eyes, others filled with festering ulcers and incurable wounds, especially exposing those body parts that, because of their stored up rottenness, they should be concealing. I thought it the worst inhumanity not to appeal to your love on their behalf, especially now that the season forces us to return to this topic. We must always make sermons about almsgiving because we too have much need of this mercy issuing from the Master who created us but especially during this present season when the frost is severe. During the summer season, the poor find great consolation. Even if they walk nude, they are free from danger. The ray of the sun sufficing them in place of clothing. Even if they simply lie down to sleep upon the ground and pass the night in the open air, They are safe. Neither are shoes necessary for them, nor drinking wine, nor eating plentifully. Rather, to some, the streams of water are enough. To others, the most poultry vegetables. To others, a few dry seeds. And this season of the year supplies them With a makeshift table. They have even greater consolation yet the availability of work. For those who build houses, till the earth, and sail upon the sea have most need of their assistance. And what fields and houses and other sources of revenue are to the wealthy, this body is to the poor. All their income is from their hands and from nothing else. For this reason, they enjoy some sort of consolation during the summer. But during the season of winter, the battle against them is mighty from all quarters, and the siege is twice as great. The famine that devours the viscera, from within, and the frost that freezes and deadens the flesh from without. Therefore, they need more nourishment, a heavier garment, a shelter, a bed, shoes, and many other things. And indeed, what is altogether grievous, they cannot find work easily, since the season of the year does not allow it. Therefore, their need of the bare necessities is much greater, and besides, work passes them by, because no one hires the wretched or summons them to service. I do not say these things haphazardly now, but rather because many are often overly investigative toward the needy. They examine their lineage, life, habits, pursuits, and the vigor of their body. They make complaints and demand immense public scrutiny of their health. For this precise reason, many of the poor simulate physical disabilities, so that by dramatizing their misfortunes, they may deflect our cruelty and inhumanity. And although when it is summertime, it is terrible to make these complaints, it is not quite so dreadful. However, during the frost and the cold, for someone to become such a savage and inhumane judge and not impart any forgiveness to the unemployed, does this not involve extreme cruelty? Therefore, what did Paul ordain by law? They say, when he said to the Thessalonians, If anyone does not wish to work, neither let him eat. So that you too may also hear these things, you should discuss the words of Paul only with the poor individual, but even with yourself. For the laws of Paul are laid down not only for the poor, but also for us. Let me say something burdensome and grievous. I know that you will grow angry. Nevertheless, I will say it. For I do not say it to smite you, but to correct you. We criticize them for their laziness something which is worthy of forgiveness for the most part. However, we too often do things that are even more grievous than any laziness. But I, you will say, have paternal land. Just because this man is poor and came from poor parents and did not have wealthy ancestors... Is it just for him to perish utterly? Tell me. It is for this precise reason he must be worthy of mercy and compassion, much more so than all those who have. For you, who many times pass the day in the theaters or in councils, and assemblies that do not have any profit and who slander thousands upon thousands of people, do you suppose that you do not create any suffering and that you do not become idle? And that miserable and wretched man who spends all day begging in tears in all wretchedness, you judge him and you drag him to court and demand reckonings? However, what do these things have in common with humans? Tell me. Therefore, when you say, What then shall we say to Paul? Converse with yourself too, and say these things not only to the poor. Read not only the threat of punishment, but also the forgiveness. For the one who said, If anyone does not wish to work, neither let him eat at it, and for you, brethren, do not lose heart in doing good. However, what is their specious excuse? They are fugitives, he says, and foreigners and worthless knaves. And they gave up their fatherlands and are streaming together to our city. Hence, it is for this reason you are vexed, tell me, and you tear into pieces the practice of almsgiving, which is the crowning glory of the city that all consider it to be their common harbor. And they prefer the foreign city to their own in which they were born. In truth, this is why you must rejoice exceedingly and be delighted, that to your hands all run as to a common emporium, and they consider this city a common mother. Now do not utterly destroy The encomium, and do not mutilate the condemnation, which is paternal and ancient. For at one time, when hunger was going to fall upon all the earth, the residents of this city sent a lot of money through the hands of Barnabas and Saul to those who resided in Jerusalem, and indeed to those about whom we raise this whole discussion. Therefore, of what pardon and defense would we be worthy when our ancestors appear to support with their own money even those who are settled far away and run to help them, while we drive them away even those from another place who flee to us for refuge? and we demand exact audits and that sort of thing, although we are responsible for myriads of evils. And if God should examine minutely each of our issues as we investigate about the poor, we would not bring to pass for ourselves one single pardon or mercy. With the judgment you judge, he says, you shall be judged. Therefore, become a philanthropist and gentle toward your fellow slaves, and remit his many sins and have mercy upon him, so that you too may become worthy of the same favorable verdict from God. What circumstances do you weave for yourself? Why are you a busybody? And why do you meddle with other folks' affairs? God did not command us to investigate the lives of others and demand of them accounts and to be curious after others' ways of life. I wonder if he had would many not be vexed? Would they not say to themselves, What is this? God appointed this matter to be difficult for me. And could it be that we can examine the lives of others? Do we perhaps know the severity of everyone's sins? Would many not have said, many such things. And now, when he delivered us from all this meddlesomeness and promised to give the complete recompense, whether they are evil or good, the ones who receive our almsgiving, we cause trouble for ourselves. And how is it obvious, he says, that we are going to receive the reward when we give to the good and to the evil. From what he said, Pray for the ones who deal despitefully with you and who persecute you, so that you may become like your Father who is in the heavens. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and reigns upon the just and the unjust. Although countless blaspheme your master and thousands upon thousands commit prostitution, steal, plunder, dig up, and even open graves, perform myriads of evils, he nevertheless does not withdraw his benefits from all of them. Rather, he extends to all the ray of the sun and the rains and the crops of the earth to be shared in common by all. Do you likewise by demonstrating his philanthropy? St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you. For it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.